Welcome back to Investigate Joe Rogan, Investigating George Knapp and Jeremy Corbell Part 2. I ended last episode talking about the so-called Go Fast video, and I will begin this episode by talking about the so-called Gimbal video, which both Jeremy Corbell and George Knapp say is legit evidence of UFOs, just like the other two videos. Or legit evidence of aliens, I should say. Jeremy Corbell says these videos show, quote, propulsion systems where distance doesn't matter, which is obviously not true and is a big claim for videos of dots moving around. And he even goes so far as to say that the burden of proof is on people who think it is not aliens. They dismiss Mick West of Metabunk's explanation without even explaining what it is he has to say. And in my opinion, Mick West's explanation of the gimbal video is very believable and just as likely as his explanation of the Go Fast video. He has made several videos on the gimbal footage, more so than he's covered the other ones, in fact. And he argues that it is probably a plane. Specifically, what you are seeing in the gimbal video is the infrared glare of the engines. And what UFO people say is the craft rotating in a strange and unexplainable way is actually just an artifact of the gimbal-mounted camera system. Now, I can't exactly say what it is Mick West's point is, because this is a podcast. I'm cursed with only audio. But in his videos, Mick West busts out an actual camera in his garage and physically shows how this can happen, which is a lot more than these two guys have ever done for their argument. So for this reason, watching Mick West's videos, I am personally more convinced by his explanation that it is infrared glare on engines than I am by the theory that it is aliens. At this point in the episode, George Knapp starts talking about Skinwalker Ranch and he goes on and on about how dogs got vaporized and cows got sliced up and there was, quote, trickster activity, unquote, whatever that means. And after a while, Rogan just stops him and asks if there's any evidence at all for this stuff. And George Knapp just says no. So I don't think I really need to comment too much on Skinwalker Ranch, despite how much they talk about it. I will say a few things, though. George Knapp says that the government actually studied Skinwalker Ranch in an official capacity, but I could not find a source for this. I do not think it is true. I think he may just be misremembering an episode of the X-Files. You know, he's getting up there in years. You can, you can get confused about TV and reality. Is it possible that the government did this? Is it possible that the X-Files is real? Yes, it is possible. 
but this would not be evidence of anything to me. Throughout the podcast, they try to use the fact that the government has looked into UFOs as support for their ideas. But the government is corrupt and incompetent, and they will fund anything. They love throwing money around. They funded psychic research during the Cold War. So the government's interest in something, in my opinion, cannot be taken as evidence that that thing is legitimate. Now, towards the end of the Skinwalker Ranch talk, Jeremy Corbell says that there is physical evidence. He says people living near the ranch got strange kinds of cancer. But I could not find a single source for this either. And I honestly think he may have made this up on the spot because Rogan wanted physical evidence so bad. <laughs> and he was, he was kind of pushing them on it. They also try to say that there are these so-called meta-materials that count as physical evidence and are left over from UFO crashes. But it's sort of like what I said about Element 115. If they have this stuff, why not bring it out and show people? Why not let scientists look at it? Imagine a legit scientist in some real field of research doing something like this. Yeah, I discovered this new species of ant in some obscure corner of the Amazon, but you can't see it. I'm not going to show it to anyone. <laughs> or, yeah, I discovered this new ant, very rare, brand new, um, but I lost it. I had it in this jar, bro, but I, I can't find it in my lab. Would this be convincing to you? Would, would people believe this man? No. Uh, of course they wouldn't. So after this, they get into cases that are, in my opinion, even less convincing than Boob Laser and the Three Navy videos, which admittedly, on the surface, are kind of convincing. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like the first time I saw the Navy videos, I wasn't like, dang, those could be UFOs. Now, George, George Knapp says that there was a UFO that people say was a meteor that landed in Eureka, and it knocked out all the power, and then it took off again, and there was a huge explosion that could be seen for miles around, and it flew across the whole country. And there's just no evidence for this one either. There's not even blurry pictures of dots in the sky for this one. It's, it's just nothing. They also talk about Betty and Barney Hill, who are sort of the OG UFO abductees. And Jeremy Corbell seems pretty on board with them. But again, it's like there's no evidence. It's just whether or not you believe these two random people. But I bring it up because while discussing them, Rogan said interracial couples were not allowed to legally marry until 1967. And I would like to give props to Joe Rogan for correctly remembering this. The Supreme Court case, Loving v. Virginia, that decided that anti-interracial marriage laws were unconstitutional, was indeed in 1967. I know I spend a lot of time in this podcast saying that people can never get numbers 
correct off the top of their head. But here Rogan has done it. I, I was so impressed, I feel like it's worth pointing out. Travis Walton is another one of these lesser-known cases that George Knapp says is, quote, solid. And he even goes so far as to say that it is comparable to Bob. Now, in a way, he is actually right. It is comparable to Boob in that ultimately it's just some guy saying that something happened with no evidence. But to me, Travis Walton is significantly less plausible than Bob. A few days after Walton came out with his story, the National Enquirer awarded him and his co-workers, who were also supposedly abducted, a $5,000 prize for, quote, best UFO case of the year. He also wrote a book and then got a movie made based on the book. So, I mean, really, I'm supposed to believe this guy doesn't have ulterior motives here. Come on. They also talk a little bit about the aerial school UFO sighting in Zimbabwe, where in 1994, 60 kids reported seeing a UFO and an Alamal. And both George Knapp and Jeremy Corbell seem convinced that this was a real case. And in my opinion, this is probably the best case, but they pass over it pretty fast. It's also the coolest case and the most aesthetic case. Now again, this is all based on eyewitness testimony. There is no evidence. And furthermore, this is the eyewitness testimony of children because no adults at the school saw anything. So the first thing to point out about this case, 60 kids said that they saw something. But what UFO people leave out is that there were 250 or so kids on the playground. So why is it that only 60 out of 250 kids saw this UFO land out of the sky and a Lamaus come out? I mean, wouldn't they all see this? How could you miss it? Furthermore, some of those kids said that it was a sort of game and accused the other kids of being liars. So it is not as though all of the kids are saying the same thing. Not even all 60 of the kids who saw something are all on the same page. Their stories and drawings differ quite a bit. Even individual kids change their stories the more they're questioned. You can see this in the video. For instance, one kid starts out saying that the, the alien was black and had long hair, which to me, it kind of seems like this kid might have just seen a black dude like out in the bushes. <laughs> but then as the adult UFO researcher weirdos question him, he gradually changes his story into being like a classic gray Alamau, and that's sort of what his drawing ends up looking like. And I think you can honestly attribute most of this to the adult UFO researchers. You can tell in the video that they're not really 
going about this in a serious way. For starters, they did not interview all of the kids on the playground. They did not even interview all of the kids who said they saw something. They only interviewed some of them. And they interviewed them all at once. They sat them all down together and started asking them questions. And their questions are pretty leading. And when you're a kid, you don't want to be left out and you don't want to be in the wrong because it's embarrassing or whatever. So when one kid says he saw something, you know, you're going to play, you're going to play along and say, oh yeah, I saw it too, and it was such and such. That's just sort of how kids are. This interview may not be super legit, but it is worth watching. The kids are mostly uh, white British kids. It's a, it's a really aesthetic video of these little British kids talking about Alamau's in low-definition 90s handheld camera uh, video in Zimbabwe. It's, it's pretty spooky. I think it's also worth pointing out that Emily Trim, who was one of these kids, later spoke at the UFO Congress as an adult and said that the alien's face would sometimes change into a lion and that she had a conversation with a magic butterfly. So you may make of that what you will. A little later on, not directly related to aliens, George Knapp says NASA said they have found evidence of a parallel universe where time goes in the opposite direction. What would this mean exactly? It doesn't matter because it's not true. But he did not just pull this out of nowhere. The New York Post, that excellent bastion of journalism, ran a story with this as the headline, saying that this was in fact the case. So where does this actually come from? Well, the origin of this is a paper written about some findings of the Antarctic Impulsive Transient Antenna, which studies particles in Antarctica. Essentially, they have discovered some things that behave in really strange ways that they cannot yet explain with current models of physics. These are some weirdo neutrinos. Rather than try to explain how exactly internet journalists got from here to parallel universes, I'll just quote Ibrahim Safa, a lead author on a research paper about the experiment in question, where all of this came from. He just said, NASA has discovered that y'all should not be getting your news from the New York Post. And we looked at these Anita, sidebar, Anita is the acronym for the research place, events, and they can't be standard neutrinos. They were probably a result of our imperfect understanding of the Antarctic ice, but there's a chance some new physics phenomenon is responsible. So no, there, there's no evidence of parallel universes. Rick and Morty is not real. This is just clickbait that some websites ran with, basically, distorting like what the actual scientists had to say. And after this, George Knapp continues to say questionable things. 
He says he used to talk to some guy that he cannot name who worked in the nuclear weapons program and saw live aliens. And the only problem is when George Knapp would speak with him, he could not take notes or record anything. And he also, he also said that this guy made a videotape for him, but that he never got it. These sort of convenient things can't help but make me suspicious. I mean, I mean, really. This tape is missing. The tape of element 115 is missing. The element 115 is missing. I just can't, I can't help but feel as though this guy is kind of messing with people here. It's like that kid in school who says that he has a girlfriend, but she goes to another school. So you just, you don't know her and you haven't seen her, but she's totally real and she's really hot. That's what George Knapp reminds me of with all this stuff that we can't see. George Knapp also says something I found very interesting around this time. He says that people are constantly trying to trick him and that there have been multiple concerted efforts to trick him in the past. Now, I do have some experience with this. When I was doing my episode on Tom DeLong, I emailed back and forth um, with To The Stars Academy, pretending to be a uh, like NASA whistleblower. While I could never convince them to give me Tom DeLong's personal email, I did go back and forth with some assistant, and they clearly took me seriously. And I wasn't and I wasn't even really trying that hard. So it's very easy for me to believe George Knapp when he says there are people messing with him, and that there are concerted efforts to trick him, as he says. And I think that if these two aren't just in it for the money, that this is the real big explanation here. The two of them are just getting trolled by people. <laughs> if they are true believers, then these guys have basically been getting trolled for decades. I mean, he freely admits that there are people trying to trick him, but for whatever reason, he thinks that people like Bob Lazar and Travis Walton are not trolls. These people, of course, are real. If George Knapp is a true believer, he's basically living in a in Tales Gets Trolled. That like DeviantArt comic. You guys know what I'm talking about. Now taking a step back a bit, Rogan says that there's no way there aren't aliens somewhere in the universe, even if they haven't visited Earth. And this is something you'll see alien people say a lot. They will say that it is a given that aliens exist even if they haven't visited Earth. But this is just not the case. You cannot say with certainty that aliens exist. There is debate, and there are legitimate scientists on both sides of this debate. Some scientists are more in favor of the so-called rare Earth idea that suggests that the evolution of intelligent life is so improbable that it likely hasn't happened anywhere else. It would be like winning the lottery twice. The fact that amoebas, you know, got the ball rolling and turned into chimpanzees, etc., is just so unlikely that it probably hasn't happened anywhere else but here. Of course, they cannot say for certain that this is true and there are no aliens. 
I'm just saying it's worth bringing this idea up because all three of them just say, yeah, aliens definitely exist, when that's just not the case. We really don't know if aliens exist. Towards the end of the podcast, the discussion devolves into ancient alien talk, and I've already commented on the Zechariah Sitchin nonsense in my episode on Tom DeLonge, so I won't go over that again. But they, they say something which comes up on other episodes of JRE too, which is this idea that we could not build the pyramids today. But we could. We could build the pyramids today. If he means we couldn't do it without modern technology, that's also not true. The only thing that would prevent us from doing it the old-fashioned way is not some lack of engineering knowledge, but to quote Jared Leto's character from Blade Runner 2049, we lost our stomach for slaves. Now, that's all I have to say on this episode. Listening to this episode gave me a headache. And I do not mean that in a metaphorical way. I mean, I was literally in physical pain listening to this episode. That being said, give me a Jeremy Corbell alien boob laser episode over a thousand generic political internet commentator episode of JRE where they just come on and complain about Twitter. This is this these are the best episodes of JRE. Even if you don't believe in Ala Mouse, you have to admit this. Give me one of these guys any day who want to talk about alamaus and like chimpanzees and stuff and not Twitter, okay? These are like the real episodes of JRE. But anyway, thank you for listening. Without you listening, I would just be some guy talking to himself. I'd be a crazy person. Tell your friends about Investigate Joe Rogan. And uh, I will see you next episode.